Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. What do you say we do this? It's the 16th of January, 2024. Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez, presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Flyers wrapped up a three-game road trip in fine fashion as they go to St. Louis and they outlast the Blues and get a 4-2 win on what I'm terming as moving day in the Metropolitan Division. Why? I'll tell you in a little bit about that. Why the two points tonight were really important because of some of the results of other games of Metropolitan Division teams that they're battling for a playoff position with in this Metro. Let's get to the particulars from the game, however. Let's start with the shots on goal. Flyers out shoot St. Louis 42-30 to in the game. And how about this? Flyers win 61.5% of the face-offs in the game. That's without Sean Couturier. Scott Lawton taking a lot of draws. Ryan Paling got the job done in the face-off circle as well. Little things about the game uh, that tend to matter, especially when you're on the road and you're playing your third and four days and you're looking to collect all six points of a possible six on the road trip. Let's get to uh, the scoring. No scoring in the first. Flyers outplayed St. Louis in the first. They were just unable to solve the St. Louis Blues netminder. So we head to the second in a scoreless game, but the Flyers get on it quick. At 103 of the period, Scott Lawton picks up his fourth goal of the season on what was a really smart play from Sean Walker and Garnet Hathaway. Walker enters the St. Louis zone on the right side, but crosses over the middle of the ice, kind of shifting the the defensive coverage. And because he moves from the right side of the ice to the left side and makes the left side the strong side, that's why Scott Lawton ends up being the goal scorer. And he gets once Walker crosses to the left side, he pushes the puck to the left wall where Garnet Hathaway is. And Hathaway shooting this puck to the net, knowing he, he's not shooting to score from where he was or the type of shot that he had, but he's shooting for a rebound, a puck on pad. So what do you do? You shoot a low shot to the middle pad because he sees Lawton is driving the net up the right side, which is now the weak side because Walker moved the play to the other side of the ice. Lawton gets the goal, puts the Flyers up one to nothing. 18-19 in the first, Oscar Sundquist gets a power play goal, his fifth of the season, only the 15th power play goal or shorthanded goal the Flyers have given up all season long. And it's been unbelievable. They're minus five on the PK this year. That's because they have 10 shorthanded goals. And at 1953, a really good play here from Yegor Zamola. As he knows the clock is winding down, Paling driving the net late in the period. He throws the puck to the net, creates a little bit of chaos. Paling ends up with the goal, his fifth of the season. That puts the Flyers up 2-1. to one. Uh, You hear John Tortorella talk a lot about situational play. Situational play, a lot of times you you think of it as situational play means in the D zone. You got to know when to just get the puck out or when you need to release the pressure, reverse the side of the ice or just a high flip and knowing when to pump it deep instead of trying to carry it in 1v2, those kind of things, those situations. But this is a situation late in the period where you know the clock's winding down and you got a guy driving to the net. So what does Zamula do? Throw the puck there. And it benefits them. They get the goal. Atkinson and Zamula pick up the assist. Flyers go up 2-1. You love a goal late in the period. You hate to give one up, but you love to get one. So the Flyers head into the third with uh, the 2-1 lead in the game. But just 118 into the third, 
The Blues get it tied when Brendan Saad picks up his 11th of the season. So now we got a 2-2 game, and most of the third period was played at, as a tie hockey game until 14-27, and what may be the highlight goal of the year. When Owen Tippett, basically 1v3, uh, attacking the blue zone with speed, and we know he's got speed, he just makes an unbelievable dangle through some Blues players and then goes backhand shelf. Are you kidding? Just a disgusting goal. And the Flyers grab the 3-2 lead. That's Tippett's, by the way, 16th of the season. Konechny and Morgan Frost pick up the assist. Flyers would wrap up the scoring at 19.06 of the period uh, with an empty netter for Joel Farabee, his 15th of the season. So uh, Konechny and Frost with the assist on the Tippett goal. Uh, Zamula and Atkinson, the assist on the Paling goal. Hathaway and Walker, the assist on the Lawton goal. That tells me six assists. That means 180 pounds of food is going to be donated to local communities in need as part of the Flyers and the Penn Medicine Assist, where they'll donate 30 pounds of food for every Flyers assist this season to local communities in need. So 4-2 win for the Flyers. Carter Hart in the game. Uh, once again, Flyers goaltending all year long has been just excellent. It's been something that you can count on. In a league where a lot of teams cannot count on goaltending, the Flyers can count on good goaltending from both guys. Sam Harrison, we've talked about how well he has played uh, this season and really the heater that he has been on. But Hart, once again, even though he saw significantly less shots, Flyers had 42, they had 30, uh, still made some really big saves, controlled rebounds, and uh, gave the Flyers... Yet another really strong goaltending performance, and uh, they'll take it. It's a 9.33 save percentage for the game. He's had a lot of games this year where he's had a save percentage for the particular game that is uh, over 9.30. He's had some really great performances. Yeah, I mean, you look back. I mean, obviously he had the, the shutout against Vancouver. Uh, you look at uh, you know the, the Arizona win where he made 25 saves on 26. He made 36 saves on 38 against Colorado. I mean, just a lot of really strong performances uh, this season for Carter Hart. And uh, both guys, I think, pushing each other in that competition uh, is very healthy. And it's a little bit different type of competition that you get for playing time, like the forwards or defensemen. You know, they're competing with teammates to get more ice time, a more significant role. Special teams, power player, penalty kill. But when a forward is battling and you have that internal competition, they play in the game. When the goalie's, you know, not playing, he's watching. He's got a ball cap on. Uh, so that is very healthy. And the two of those guys pushing each other. Oh, you went out and did, had a great game? I'm going to go out and have a great game as well. And that's great to see. And the benefactor of that, the who benefits? The team, the fans. In the standings, Carter, once again, very good performance uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers. It was the return also of Noah Cates. He returns after a lengthy layoff, and they monitored his minutes a little bit. He played 12-14 in the game, did see 33 seconds of uh, PK time, uh, went 3-4 for four in the faceoff circle. Uh, so good to get Noah Cates back in the lineup. That They went traditional 12-6 and six instead of the 11-7. and seven. And Noah Cates, uh, especially with Sean Couturier out, gives you that guy on the ice that can uh, really defend through the entire 
sheet of the ice, the whole 200 feet. So uh, good to get Noah Cates back. We'll see when Couturier comes back and they're fully healthy again if they opt to put Cates back in the middle or if they move him to the wing uh, looking for a little more offense from his game. Uh, but we'll see how that plays out. We'll see if Sean Couturier is able to come back uh, coming up on Thursday when the Flyers open up the four-game homestand against the Dallas Stars. It's back-to-back games Couturier's missed now. Jamie Drysdale also missed the game, still out with that illness. So on the back end, who led the way in ice time? Once I, I made this prediction pre-game, or preseason. One of my you know bold predictions was that Cam York would lead the Flyers in ice time. And about four or five weeks into the season, I said right here on one of the episodes, I waved the flag on this one. It's not going to be Cam York. He's not going to lead the Flyers in ice time because Travis Sanheim was playing 26-plus minutes a night. But over the recent stretch, Cam York's had a, a good amount of games where he's gotten more ice time than Travis Sanheim. And I think they wanted to monitor Sanheim's ice time, not to wear him down. He was playing PK. He's playing power play. He played a little bit of power play and PK in this game. Uh, but York picking up uh, 22 minutes and 25 seconds of ice time to Sanheim's 22-18. I mean, it's seven seconds different. It's not a big difference. Uh, but uh, Cam York handling that ice time as a really young player in this league is is a great sign, of course. So uh, you really got tremendous depth there. And when Drysdale comes back, we'll see how the Flyers handle the situation. If he comes back on Thursday, do they go back to 11-7? and seven? Uh, If they want to go 12-6, and six, who comes out? I mean, you saw Nick Sealer blocking shots like crazy again uh, in that game. Plus, he's a left-side guy. Drysdale's a right-side guy. You're going to put Drysdale in and move Sanheim back to the left. So does that take Zamula out of the lineup? Zamula's been good. So there's These are good problems to have, uh, but the Philadelphia Flyers uh, are going to have to make some decisions. You don't ideally want to run the 11-7. and seven. It's a bit disjointed for running the forward groups, and it's disjointed uh, for the D as well. Cam York talked about it uh, when he was asked uh, post-game in an interview uh, with Tim Saunders and Todd Vidoric about it, and he said, I'll be honest, I don't like it at all. And I haven't talked to a, a defenseman anywhere that does like the 11-7 and seven because it's, you know, you want to get out there, you want to get into a rhythm of uh, being with the same partner and all that goes with that. So we'll see how uh, John Tortorella and his coaching staff uh, decide to handle that uh, going forward. Now, one of the things that I I'd pointed out yesterday on Twitter was Travis Konechny and Joel Farabee, that they've had lengthy periods of time right now where they haven't gone back-to-back games without a point, without ending up on the score sheet with a goal or an assist. And to be able to count on certain guys in your roster to end up producing offense and goal scoring while getting secondary scoring like last night where you get it from Lawton and Paling, Lawton with his fourth, Paling with his fifth, um, is huge. So here are the numbers on that. Uh, let's start with Travis Konechny. Going into the game last night, and still he had a point obviously last night as well, he hasn't gone back-to-back games without a point since November 25th. It's now been 23 games. In that time, Konechny's got 10 goals, 15 assists, and 25 points. He, going into the game last night, plus seven, three shorthanded goals in that time, a game-winning goal, and he's averaging over 20 minutes of ice time a night. He's an absolute catalyst for this team, and it is phenomenal how his game 
has matured. And, you know, one of the things while the Flyers were entering this rebuild was uh, they have no high-end talent. Travis Konechny's high-end talent. I mean, he is a legit top-line player in the NHL producing with a mature game and shows up game in and game out. I remember pointing, pointing this out last year that there was – it took until maybe late January last year for him to go back-to-back games without a point. That's just the kind of player he is, always in the mix. So great to get that from Konechny. Let's go to Farabee. Farabee has not gone back-to-back games without a point since December 4th. It's a pronounced period of time. Farabee now has uh, 19 games since December 4th. And that time he's got seven goals, 12 assists for 19 points. Is a plus eight and averages over 17 minutes of ice time. He's earned his elevation in the lineup and he's produced as a result. Great to see the Joel Farabee that we saw a couple years ago. Remember that shortened season, the 56-gamer? And he played 55 games that year, and he got to 20 goals. And that was symbolic. Then, obviously, he had a down year, and then last year coming back off the surgery, kind of playing catch-up with his game and his body all year long. Well, this year, Joel Farabee has just been – a, a really good go-to-the-net, drive-the-net-hard player that you can count on and a really important piece for this Flyers team going forward. Uh, so wanted to kind of point out those two guys, give them their stick taps, and uh, it, it's great to see. It's it, it really great to see, and it's great to see where this team is after now, what, 44 games this season to be sitting where they're sitting and battling for position in the division and not buckling under the pressure of a very tight standings and playoff race. You know, playing these meaningful games is telling us so much about so many guys, whether that's the goaltenders of Hart and Erson, you know, the level and contributions of Konechny and Farabee and Sanheim and all these different elements that are going to tip it with 16 goals on the year right now, the character of the team, it's it's really telling. It's why in yesterday's episode I said, you know, the byproduct of the success are these very important pillars to where the French, the, the organization is going, where they're going to go in this rebuild. They still need more. We know that. They, they're, they're key elements they're going to need. They're going to need help up the middle. They're going to need that high-end piece like, like Michkov when he eventually gets here. But the pillars of it are going to be steeped in hard work, the standard as Torts calls it, honest play, and guys that are expected to score – getting it done, and then getting the secondary scoring from other guys stepping up to make themselves, to make them a complete team. The reason why they are where they are in the standings is because they're a pretty complete team and they get contributions across the board, different guys on different nights, adding those elements that help you win games in this league. And frankly, just not caring what the situation is. Flyers could have gone into that game last night and said, ah, we got fir- we got the first four points of this road trip. You know, yeah, we, we would have been happy with that. 
before it started, go four of six. But now you got an opportunity to grab six of six points in the standings. And they went out, and they earned it. And they're getting everything they're working for right now. They're earning it. And that's what's great to see about this team. I think it's why a lot of people are identifying with this team and why, as I've stated, it's a bit of a healing situation with the Flyers because of the way they play, the way that they give you an honest effort game in and game out, and damn, are they fun to watch. These games are fun. Flyers hockey is fun again. My goodness, I don't know if I could have gone through another year where you're playing out the string by the end of January. Coming out here on the podcast every day going, what am I going to talk about? What's the storyline? Thank God we got a change of pace. We got something to be excited about. I'm excited about it. And I'm excited about a four-game homestand, which begins Thursday with the Dallas Stars, Saturday matinee with the Colorado Avalanche, Sunday matinee with the Ottawa Senators, and Claude Giroux coming to town. Happy 36th birthday to uh, El Cap. And then they'll wrap up the four-game homestand on the 23rd when the Tampa Bay Lightning come to town. So moving day in the Metro. Flyers grab the two points over St. Louis. We'll be back tomorrow with another brand new episode of Flyers Daily. So make sure you join us then, and we'll talk to you next time.